This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. As usual, it's time for Pope Pope Parliament, where we bring you updates from the Day One Riot. Right, so Moa MP Site Sadiq kick-started today's session by bringing up the suggestion to create a school under the MRSM brand for Bumiputra elites and high-income earners in society. In case you missed the story, two days ago, newly appointed Mara Chairman Datuk Sri Ashraf Wajdi Dusuki said that Mara Corp was looking into this idea as a way for Mara to expand investment and business opportunities. Yes, so according to his Facebook post, high-income parents have shown interest in sending their children to MRSM and they are willing to pay the cost for this even though they can afford to send their children to study overseas. So he attributed this to MRSM's reputation as a high-quality institution. So that's the context. If we take it back to today's parliament, Saitzadik wanted to know the process and source of funding to build this paid MRSM situation. So, Minister of Rural and Regional Development, Dato Sri Dr. Ahmad Zahid Hamidi, uh, began his answer by calling this idea, quote-unquote, futuristic. He said that a study had been conducted that found a huge number of students uh, who were academically qualified to enter MRSM, uh, but hadn't been able to do so because of their parents' income status. Which, to be fair, is higher yes. than, than what MRSM currently takes in. So, he also spoke about MRSM alumni who wanted to send their children there but had not been able to because of these same reasons. Uh, here he is talking about that. very futuristic plan yang sedang disusun atur oleh Mara kerana permintaan untuk memasuki MRSM berada di tahap lebih daripada 300% daripada kemampuan untuk memasuki MRSM. Lantas dari itu kita telah melakukan kajian keboleh laksanaan atau dengan izin feasibility study bagi melihat bahawa ramai pelajar-pelajar yang berkelayakan untuk memasuki MRSM dari segi akademik tetapi tidak layak dari segi bracket pendapatan ibu bapa mereka. Terutamanya ialah kumpulan Uh, T20 dan juga M40 di mana salah satu syarat kemasukan itu ialah pengutamaan kepada kumpulan B40 saya ingin menyebutkan kepada YB Mua juga bahawa terdapat terlalu juga terlalu banyak juga permintaan daripada alumni uh, MRSM yang telah menjadi ibu bapa yang mahu anak-anak mereka untuk masuk ke MRSM tetapi sebagaimana yang sebutkan bracket pendapatan mereka tidak menyebabkan anak-anak mereka layak oleh yang demikian tanpa berkompromi dari segi kualiti tanpa berkompromi dari, dari segi kelulusan minimum akademik kita akan membuka ruang seluas-luasnya untuk anak-anak alumni MRSM untuk masuki MRSM yang sedia ada dan apatah lagi yang berkemampuan untuk membawa anak-anak mereka memasuki MRSM yang akan uh, diwujudkan uh, cara berbayar ini. 
So Zahid then went on to answer the Moa MP's question, saying that the government uh, will not be funding the construction of an MRSM for affluent students, but that instead it would be funded through a private financing initiative. He said that in this matter, we would have to think um, not just outside the box, but think without the box. Lots of, uh, lots of very inspiring jargon being thrown about. Dalam perancangan kami, kami tidak akan menggunakan peruntukan daripada kerajaan. Sebalik, sebaliknya kita akan menggunakan perkataan PFI, Private Finance Initiative. Dan kita akan bersama dengan institusi kewangan untuk pembiayaan. Dalam hal ini, kita mesti keluar daripada kepompong dan berfikir tanpa kotak. Bukan hanya sekadar luar kotak untuk melaksanakan. Dan saya yakin... Ini adalah pendekatan baru pihak marah khususnya untuk menyantuni permasalahan yang dihadapi oleh mereka yang berminat tetapi tidak mempunyai peluang untuk anak-anak mereka masuk ke MRSM cara biasa. To add on, he also assured that Mara land will not be used to build this uh, new MRSM for affluent students since that land was meant for the B40 community. Uh, but that wasn't the end of it though because the because Bagansarai MP, Dato Idris Ahmad, raised his concern that this idea would compromise the quality of students who graduate from MRSM. Zaid Hamidi then assured that the government will not compromise on quality, citing a previous project he had led without the help of government funding, which had been successful, uh, which involved a boarding school that has now operated for 11 years and recently sent their students to further their studies at Oxford University. He also said that the government cannot deny Bumiputra children of an MRSM education and explained that although these parents were in the M40 or T20 category, their net home pay was low and that costs for international schools were high. Ya, dari segi kualiti Tetapi bagaimana kita mahu menafikan Anak-anak yang berada di dalam Ibu bapanya berada dalam kumpulan T20 atau M20 ya, Sebenarnya ibu bapa mereka Take home pay-nya Ataupun net um, Take home pay-nya rendah ya, Walaupun gajinya mungkin puluh ribu ya, Akhirnya mereka berada dalam kumpulan B40 The real um, in, apa, net income dia. Jadi bagaimana kita mahu menafikan budak-budak yang begitu? Mak bapak ni untuk uh, education cost atau kos uh, pembelajaran mereka sanggup untuk bayar. Jadi dalam 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 soal ini benar bahawa konsep penubahan sekolah asrama penuh adalah untuk tujuan-tujuan yang romantis sebutkan. Tetapi bagaimana yang 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 uh, berkemampuan kita mahu menafikan? Dan kalau mereka mahu masuk sekolah antarabangsa, kosnya tinggi. Dalam hal inilah, MARA melalui MRSM buat separations. Ini yang dibayar sepenuh oleh kerajaan. Yang ini akan dibayar melalui PFI yang saya nyatakan tadi. Saya fikir objektifnya sama tetapi tidak membuatkan kerajaan. Tanah pun tidak menggunakan tanah MARA atau tanah kerajaan. That was Minister of Rural and Regional Development, Dato Sri Ahmad Zahid Hamidi. To weigh in, what did you make of this proposal to open up MRSM to students who come from uh, categories beyond the B40? Uh, you can call 77332900, WhatsApp 018-789-8899, send us a voice note there, or you can tweet us at BFM Radio.
Next, Bentong MP Yang Shafura Othman asked about the number of sexual offence cases against children that have been reported, uh, persecuted and prosecuted and solved since the enactment of the Sexual Offences Against Children Act 2017. She also wanted to know the government's plans to combat sexual offences against children. So Minister of Law and Institutional Reform, Dato Sri Azalina Othman, said that from 2018 to January this year, 5,519 cases of sexual offences against children were reported. And out of this number, 3,060 cases are currently in court. Azalina also said the government is considering amendments to the evidence of child Witness Act 2007. This would allow children who are victims of sexual crimes to give evidence in video form rather than them attending court to give evidence. Kerajaan juga kini sedang dalam proses untuk membuat beberapa pindaan pada Akta 792 bagi menambah baik peruntukan yang sedia ada. Selain pada itu, kerajaan turut meminda akan meminda Akta Keterangan Saksi Kanak-Kanak 2007 bagi memperuntukkan mengenai pendengaran khas bagi sesuatu lagi mekanisme di bawah keterangan saksi kanak-kanak yang boleh diambil dalam bentuk rakaman video supaya kanak-kanak tidak perlu menghadiri perbicaraan serta pemberian kuasa kepada mahkamah untuk melarang soalan-soalan yang tidak wajar diajukan kepada kanak-kanak bagi memastikan seseorang saksi itu, saksi kanak-kanak itu dapat memberikan keterangan yang lebih tenang, lancar dan selesa. Namun begitu... Keadaan perundangan sahaja adalah tidak mencukupi untuk menangani isu jenayah seksual terhadap kanak-kanak. Semua langkah yang perlu diambil dalam proses sistem keadilan jenayah bagi sesuatu kes jenayah seksual terhadap kanak-kanak hendaklah mesra kanak-kanak dengan izin child-friendly. Yong Savura then stood up to ask why there was a delay in resolving cases involving sexual crimes against children and what the government plans to do about this delay. She also brought up the huge difference between the number of reported cases versus the number of calls that had been made involving children that were victims of sexual crimes and asked for an explanation on this. So the minister acknowledged the delay and said that the government had encountered obstacles which meant cases could not be resolved immediately. Here she is talking us through that. Selain daripada isu berkenaan dengan ketidakhadiran kepada pengsaksian, apa ni, tarikh yang baru oleh pendakwa raya, mahkamah yang tidak mencukupi, juga masalah tentang bahan bukti seperti dengan izin DNA analysis. Jadi apa yang disebut di sini dalam keadaan yang secara menyeluruh antara masalah yang paling besar dalam kes-kes ni bila memakan masa yang lama anak-anak tersebut menjadi dewasa kemungkinan mereka tak minat lagi nak menjadi saksi dan akan menarik balik kes. Ini selalu menjadi senario yang selalu berlaku. And in response to Shafura's second question, Azalina explained that there had been issues on the parents' or guardians' side reporting these cases and that the government was working on providing them with enough resources and support. Untuk menjawab pada soalan kedua tu ialah berkenaan dengan keengganan penjaga untuk melaporkan kes. Ini berlaku disebabkan oleh apa yang disebut sebagai underreporting dalam bahasa Inggeris, kekurangan laporan. Dan ia perlu ditangani dengan strategi yang pelbagai serampang. Antaranya ialah pengkukuhan sistem khidmat sokongan terhadap mangsa ataupun saksi kanak-kanak serta mewujudkan kesedaran awam masyarakat umum mengenai isu jenayah ini. Dalam isu bentuk khidmat sokongan yang disediakan, buat masa ini, Tuan Yang Dipertua, Adanya perkhidmatan bantuan guaman termasuk perkhidmatan pendampingan guaman di Jabatan Peguam, jabatan Bantuan Guaman, perlindungan daripada Jabatan Kebajikan Masyarakat dan khidmat sokongan emosi dari segi kaunseling kepada pegawai khidmat sokongan daripada PDRM. 
Azalina also explained another challenge when it comes to these cases, which is the limitations that these children face when having to actually explain what they had gone through and that this needed to be tackled from a community level. Walau bagaimanapun kita tahu bahawa dalam isu jerayah seksual terhadap kanak-kanak ini juga boleh dilihat sebagai satu pendekatan di mana budaya yang wujud, a culture that exists dengan izin bahawa kemungkinan kanak-kanak tidak akan laporkan ataupun kemungkinan kanak-kanak tak tahu apa yang berlaku pada diri mereka. Yang menjadi cabaran Tuan Yang Dipertua bila kanak-kanak tersebut pada umur yang begitu rendah, katakan lima tahun ke bawah yang tidak boleh begitu cakap untuk memberikan bukti dan kemudiannya cabaran kepada kanak-kanak yang mempunyai cabaran di segi mental, mental challenge. Jadi inilah yang menjadi masalah yang mana harapan daripada kerajaan ialah keluarga dan juga jiran tetangga dan juga masyarakat setempat perlu membantu keluarga dan kanak-kanak tersebut untuk keluar memberikan laporan supaya tidak wujud under reporting. That was Minister of Law and Institutional Reform, Dato Sri Azalina Othman. Uh, let us know, how else can we be protecting the safety and well-being of our children? You can call 77332900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Next, a discussion on the progress of the amendment to the federal constitution that will allow children born abroad to Malaysian mothers to be given automatic citizenship. Now, uh, just to recap, in case you missed our coverage of this, last month, the cabinet had given the green light for this amendment, which would seek to replace the phrase father to at least one of the parents. A very seemingly Mm. small but very important change, uh, because this would mean that these children would be granted Malaysian citizenships. Now, this point uh, was raised by Ayah Hitam MP, Datuk Sri Dr. So, Minister of Home Affairs, Datuk Sri Saifuddin Nasution, said that the technical committee had conducted internal discussions and that it would take six months before the amendments can be tabled in Parliament. So, that would take place in September. Tahun kuasa ini telah pun mengadakan pelbagai perbincangan dalaman dan kita jangkakan mereka akan memerlukan enam bulan bermaksud Uh, September tahun ini kita akan dapat uh, membentangkannya. Membentangkannya begini ya. Jawatankuasa teknikal kepada jawatankuasa kabinet, jawatankuasa kabinet kepada jemaah menteri, ahitam faham dari segi susur galurnya. Dan jika semuanya berjalan dengan persetujuan, maka kita akan persembahkan kepada majlis raja-raja. Kerana pelembagaan persekutuan uh, menghendaki perkara yang membabitkan pindaan perlembagaan mengenai warga negara maka hal itu hendaklah dipersembahkan setuju oleh majlis raja-raja Following that, Tumpat MP Datuk Mumtaz Muhammad Nawi wanted to know how many applications the Home Ministry had received from Malaysian mothers applying for citizenship for their children. She also wanted to know what was being done about the education of these children and whether the Home Ministry would consider involving the MOE in this case. The minister then said that they had received 688 applications, but that he believed more were on the way. Uh, He also said that the well-being of stateless children had been his priority and that their citizenship problems had to be solved first before other issues were addressed. Jumlah sekarang di atas meja saya adalah 688 kes. Tapi apakah ini satu-satunya angka? Tidak. Di luar sana masih ada. Kita yakin. Cuma mereka belum memasukkan permohonan. Uh, perkara ini adalah sebuah di bawah perkara 15.2. Iaitu permohonan warga negara bagi anak yang lahir di luar negara. 
Masa Perlembagaan Persekutuan ini dibuat Nun Tahun 1950-an Belum terbayang lagi Kaum wanita di negara kita Akan merantau bertemu jodoh Ataupun belajar Dan membina kerjaya di luar negara Dan kita pun tahu Perlembagaan Dia tidak statik Dia dinamik Jadi kita kena respon dengan perubahan Semasa Jadi aspek kebajikan ini adalah perkara yang menjadi keutamaan kita sebab kalau warga negaranya tak jelas jadi akses pada pendidikan, akses pada kesihatan dan hak-hak lain itu akan terjejas jadi uh, tumpuan kementerian dalam perkara stateless child ini ialah keutamaan kita sebab itu sepanjang 3 bulan lebih saya menduduki ini buat sekarang ni saya telah pun membuat keputusan terhadap 5,000 kes sebahagian besarnya adalah isu stateless child sama ada anak yang lahir daripada tidak wujudnya ikatan perkahwinan yang sah daripada ibu bapaknya ataupun tak ada maklumat peribadi yang lain dan sebagainya. Yang ini keutamaan saya kepada pegawai-pegawai di kementerian adalah percepatkan proses. Sebab itu membawa kepada angka kelulusan yang saya KPI-kan diri saya untuk tahun ini mesti saya buat keputusan di atas 10,000. Tapi jumlah keseluruhan warga negara yang berhormat tinggi. Itu hampir 150,000. Jadi, uh, tapi dalam kes yang seumpama surani kempen ini cuma 688. Tapi biar kita bersedia dulu untuk menghadapi uh, pekah kemungkinan uh, untuk mem- mengatasi masalah ini pada masa hadapan. Terima kasih. That was Minister of Home Affairs, Datuk Sri, Datuk Sri Saifuddin Nasution. And that's all for today's session of Parliament. Uh, a recap of what was discussed. Uh, there was discussion on MRSM being opened up to students from M40 and T40, T20 families. Uh, there was also um, discussions on the challenges when it comes to children who are victims of sexual crimes, uh, particularly um, in terms of amendments that need to be made that would allow them to provide evidence through video and issues where solving these cases are delayed. Uh, there was also uh, a question raised on the amendment to the federal constitution to allow children being bo- uh, children born abroad to Malaysian mothers to be given automatic citizenship. Send your thoughts our way. You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Baba from Malacca. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 5.38. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And uh, we've spent the first half an hour of the show looking at the events of today's Day One Rakyat. Uh, one of the issues that uh, has generated a fair amount of conversation is that of MRSM. Um, and a suggestion that an MRSM be built for children from the M40 and T20 communities. Um, and so we've been asking you for your thoughts. What do you make of this? Um, you can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We do have a number of thoughts coming in on this. Let's start with this one from Choi, because Choi says, for Zaid Hamidi to claim that T20 are net poor net income poor is an insult to the rest of the lower income group. Let them reduce expenses and live like the M40 and they should be safely net income rich. Let them declare stock holdings as income and they would be filthy rich. Ah, So this is, this is a complicated one to talk about because I think 
often when we say T20, or even M40 for that matter, uh, we tend to judge the entire spectrum by of the people highest. by the highest. Yeah. Um, and that's often really not the case. In fact, most people probably fall quite squarely in the middle. Um, and the middle is often where you can also slip to being lower. Yeah, um, I think the other conversation that we have always had around this is when Again, going back to where in the T20 or M40 you live, there's also the question of it's about household income. So how many income earners are within the household and how large is the household? Those are questions that don't often uh, take into account the category, right? Because you could be, sure, you could be a sole breadwinner earning, what is T20? 10,000? 10, yes. 10,003, I think mm-hmm. is something like that. Yeah. So you could have that as your salary, but then if you're supporting a household of six, then that income doesn't really match up uh, to, to the number of people that you're supporting. And yet, by in terms of statistics, in terms of the census, in terms of what have you, you would fall into that category. Um, I, I think it's also important to frame the discussion because in this case, it is quite particular about um, how people therefore can't afford international schools, mm. which I, I actually think that the criticism, um, if I may, is more valid in terms of why have international schools become the benchmark for quality education in exactly, our country? Yeah. I think that that is maybe where the conversation should be resting, right? Because it's not about who can afford to send their children where. It's more about how come when we talk about great schools in our country, we go to something like the MRSM, for instance, which is then limited to a to a very specific group of people uh, under very specific circumstances, or we talk about international schools, which is the opposite in terms of the circumstance and whatever, but is similarly only accessible to a few people. So uh, stay away from negativity is actually making exactly that point, saying uh, based on the comments by the DPM, it shows that the T20 and M40 don't have much confidence in our education system. The education minister should take note. And um, I think that speaks to your point. Why is it that we can't seem to think of a middle ground. Um, On the one hand, we're saying, let's create opportunities for students from the BB40 community who can excel. Um, In this case, um, you know, Mara funded and so on. And then we have international schools. What about the in-between? What are the options? Well, I would go further than that and, you know, say pipe dream though pipe dream though it may be at the moment, the middle ground should be the most widely available form of school. Absolutely. Which is the national school, Mm. which should mean that what we should be doing is to ensure that those schools are actually at the highest possible quality. Um, So Cheryl says, Mara's main source of fund is from tax collected from all Malaysians or the government. Is that fair? What about the teachers and other resources needed to run this private uh, MRSM? Teachers training is being funded by the government too. Be fair to all Malaysians. All government funded schools must be made as good as MRSMs. Well, to that last point, Agreed. I think all government schools should be at the highest quality we can possibly afford to make them. Uh, But to your earlier point about resources, um, I am extending a guess here. But I think if we're talking about uh, essentially people from uh, the M40 and T20 wanting to pay fees to attend an MRSM, then essentially it starts operating like other private schools because the fees would go a long way towards creating those resources. So it's not so much a a tax-funded issue anymore. So um, Jerry said basically uh, similar points to what what was raised earlier, which is that 
having private schools maybe isn't the best way, right, in terms of, of developing our national education system. So Jerry says, stop it, develop schools better, get them to be the best. Um, I mean, I, I agree that actually creating more uh, fencing around education perhaps is not the answer. But I think a lot of people would also argue uh, that if people can afford to pay for something, <clears throat> why shouldn't they have access to it? So really, I think it comes back to... Um, it comes back to empowering our school systems shouldn't have to come, uh, shouldn't have to be something that's exclusive from allowing people to pay for education if they want to. Uh, Faris says, if the PM or education minister has the political will to transform the education system in Malaysia, all they would have to do is make it compulsory for all ministers, deputy ministers, every government officer um, in a high rank to send their children to government-owned schools and universities, or else they shouldn't be able to hold those positions. Then you would start seeing our education system becoming world-class. Ah, the age-old call that we want to see our politicians and ministers send their children to government schools as well. Uh, Kamarun says, uh, the Asrama MRSM or boarding school are all the middle ground for now. I will say that students should be allowed to go to the boarding schools on merit. The kids should mingle, not be separated and be raised as elites. If they are from the T20 or from the B40, they should pay the necessary or more but receive no special treatment. The T20 and M40 parents can even contribute to make the school better. Well, that's a change of the system, right? Mm. Yeah. It is It is very different from the model that exists now and even different from the model that's being proposed by uh, this suggestion. Anyway, do keep those thoughts coming um, on this issue of uh, MRSM and whether it should be opened up uh, with fees for students from the T20 and M40 communities. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.